Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Blue White Breakdown. The premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Dustin Hawkinsmith and Johnny McGonigal. Welcome back in. It's the Blue White Breakdown brought to you by Penn Live. Johnny McGonigal is here. I'm Dustin Hawkinsmith. We are catching you up. On the latest in Penn State football, we are right in the midway point here between one game week to the next. So we're going to look back on West Virginia, just a couple of the key topics in in that game. Then we'll put that to bed and we'll look ahead to Delaware. I think the fact, Johnny, that Delaware is coming to town gives us reason to talk about West Virginia (laughs) one more time before we move forward. Yeah, I think so, Dustin. Uh, Nothing against the the fighting Blue Hens. Uh, I have a few friends who went to Delaware. Uh, It's a fine school. Not a great football team. Well, I shouldn't say that. In the Colonial, they should be fine. Uh, in the CAA, they might compete for, for their conference title. Uh, they won't be competing to beat Penn State on Saturday. There's a reason why there's no betting line available for this game. I think I, like many, I didn't take a look at our staff predictions yet, but I'm pretty sure we're all on board with a, a pretty hefty uh, Penn State win after beating West Virginia in the season opener. So, you know, it's a little a little too far ahead to get you know looking at you know Illinois. Uh, so yeah, let's just take a look, quick look back at West Virginia, see what we learned, uh, and then uh, and then kind of move forward. So yeah, I think the the couple things looking back. The first thing I just wanted to get your thoughts before we put this to bed because James Franklin had to address it earlier in the week. Just the idea of running up the score in that situation. Like I, this is one situation where I personally wholeheartedly agree with James Franklin. Like. You want your backups, especially your backup quarterback who has not really, who's not played, uh, to get the most realistic game experience as he can. And that means competing and not taking taking a knee. I had no problem with it at all. No, I didn't either. And, you know, it's funny, Dustin. I ended up talking to uh, to Josh Oswald, or Oswald. I I don't want to pronounce his last name wrong, but he's the coach of Cumberland Valley. We used to coach Bo Perbula uh, at Central York. And, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the narrative of the running up the score, all that kind of stuff, I felt like it kind of took away from you know, the player who actually scored, which Bo Perbula, who was the backup quarterback, uh, Pennsylvania kid, had never played at Beaver Stadium before. This was his debut after not playing at all last season, being the fourth stringer. Uh, and we talked to Bo this week about what it meant, you know, for him to score. And and I talked to his, you know, his high school coach. Um, and he thought when he was watching, he was like, look, I don't think this is James Franklin running up the score. I think this is him giving Bo Perbola his chance to prove himself, to shine. And uh, you need to get your backup quarterback uh, prepared. And, you know, what better way to do it? I know it's garbage time at that point. Like Penn State was already up two touchdowns. They were going to win the game. What better way than to get his confidence up by having him score a touchdown, allowing him that opportunity uh, to get in the end zone? And, you know, obviously it meant a lot to Bo. So if you're James Franklin, you're probably sitting back here thinking that that was the right decision still. 
to get you know, your quarterback uh, just as much run and, and as much of a real chance to play as possible. Because what good does it do to have him just hand the ball off a bunch of times and not do anything? Uh, so I don't blame his decision whatsoever either. Um, I think this is it was a cool moment for Bo Perbula, a cool moment for the team to see him score and and you know a guy that they're behind in the locker room. And yeah, I, I don't think you can have any issues with it unless you're Neil Brown, which uh, you know he even said like he wasn't upset. But me and Bob talked about this. It's one of those where you say you're not mad, but you're really mad. Uh, you know, it, it kind of just is what it is, right? Yeah, and, and I think. You know, I, and I said this before, like, I think if the shoe were on the other foot, there would definitely be some Penn State fans who were who were rankled about it. Uh, but at the end of the day, like, I think you got to respect, like, you're managing a program that goes beyond this year. Maybe Neil Brown is. And I think Neil Brown is managing for this year only because that's what it comes down to for him. That guy is weak. That guy is weak to weak right now. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think there's a lot of people who are not happy with, like, I don't know if you saw what Pat McAfee said, like, People, people, and I, I think it's hundred percent true. Like people thinking like, Oh, this little old Mac team's coming to town. Like that's how West Virginia is perceived. And I don't think that that's false necessarily. Like, I don't think there was a lot of teeth uh, to Penn state fans necessarily with this team. No, I mean, I just remember even going back a month ago when we're you know, discussing on the, on this podcast, looking ahead to the season and taking a look at the schedule and, uh, me and Bob would always just kind of gloss over West Virginia and just say, oh, yeah, you know, that's that's a win. You know, they're it's a power five team. But I mean, you look at the Big 12 ahead of the season and you look to the conference as a whole and West Virginia looked like the only team in the conference really that seemed like a hey, let's pack it in and fold the season candidate. Uh, I mean, even Kansas showed progress last season. Um yeah, West Virginia just really hasn't under Neil Brown. And if he stays throughout the entire season, they're probably looking at a four and eight, five and seven year, most likely. Uh, the big if on if they keep him around, I think that pit game uh, will will tell a lot about his future uh, upcoming. But yeah, and so like I get the frustration on his end because I'm sure you know even though they, they were in the they were in the game, quote unquote, like early mathematically. Yeah, mathematically in the game, it never felt like it was like Penn State was truly threatened. I don't think, but if you're Neil Brown, you could have gone ahead and said, "Hey, we only lost by two touchdowns. We covered the spread, and and now they didn't." And uh, maybe that was a source of frustration for him. I don't know. Uh, maybe he had some West Virginia boosters on his on his tail, but you know, he bet his buyout money on himself in that game. I think that <laughs> let, just, let's just say it, Johnny. Yeah, I mean, it, that's definitely what happened. <laughs> uh, similar, like you and I haven't had a chance to talk. Like I know this isn't new news, but I just wanted to get your thoughts quickly on Drew Aller and uh, if he was better than, as good as, or not as good as you expected him to be. Um, I know where I check in, and it's definitely um, maybe even better. You know, like every ball was a good ball, I thought, and it's hard to do that. Yeah, I mean, every every decision except for really the the almost interception in the end zone. Uh, and then he had a slant to Keandre Lambert-Smith. They were showing cover zero blitz, and uh, they had set up the play where it was kind of like they set up the screen to the outside, and then they come back to the slant, and Keandre had a walk-in, which is as much of a walk-in touchdown as you can have from 65 yards out or whatever it was. But uh, if that ball's on the money, it's it's another touchdown. But for the most part, uh, you can't complain about 21 for 29, uh, 325 yards, three touchdowns. Aside from like the shock value of a 72-yard touchdown on your first throw, 
it was kind of expected from my end of like, this is how good this kid is. And, you know, having visited his hometown last fall and talking to his high school coaches, his athletic director, his teammates uh, there in Medina, Ohio, you know, they were telling me then that this kid just reminds them of Josh Allen and you know all these kind of things. And obviously that's a lot to put on a young quarterback, but uh, I think everyone who knows Drew Aller was not surprised by that kind of performance. Uh, I wasn't stunned that he was making the throws that he was making. Clearly, Mike Yersich wasn't surprised either, considering he kept throwing the ball with him. Like I, I think what surprised me maybe was that he had 29 attempts. I, I thought in, in this kind of game, you would see you know 15 to 20 carries each for Nick Singleton and Katron Allen, and uh, you would maybe just want to work in your first-time starter, but that wasn't the case uh, whatsoever. Uh, you know, Nick and Katron combining for 23 carries uh, for 121 yards, which isn't a bad output by any means. I think I thought they looked good uh, when they were given the opportunity, but this was the Duraller show uh, from the jump. And uh, yeah, he, he impressed me. But I, again, I feel like this is the kind of quarterback they have in Drew, and we're going to just kind of see that continue to progress throughout the season. The Josh Allen comparison is, 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 a, is a decent one, but I think if you go back to Wyoming, Josh Allen had accuracy issues that he is really the exception of the rule. He cured them in the NFL. Right. That was a big question mark. That's not a question I have at all with with Drew. Like everything, like there was a lot of balls that were right on the money and not just like within, you know, catchable distance, but in ideal places, you know, his ball placement looked actually pretty, pretty fantastic to me. Especially on the out routes too. me and Bob just kept marveling about that in the press box Every time he made that throw, it was just right there from when the receiver turned his head around. There was no chance for West Virginia's corners uh, to react and, and recover in time to make a play on the ball on those throws. And there were a couple, too, where it was cross field. Uh, you know, he's on the right hash. He's thrown it to the left sideline or vice versa. And those are throws that most college quarterbacks are told not to make uh, or are not even put in position uh, to make. But that's going to be a part of Penn State's offense because Drew Aller has the arm strength and not only the arm strength, but the, the timing, you know, down with his receiver, something that he really harped on throughout the summer and the receivers really harped on throughout the summer is that they've spent so much time uh, when it comes to just timing and getting all that down. And uh, it's re- that's really encouraging to see week one, because that's where sometimes they can get haywire. Or he can make a poor decision or underthrow one of those uh, in a first time start. But uh, that was just not the case against West Virginia. This is the Blue-White Breakdown. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I think Penn State's wide receivers played well. 
and we'll touch on uh, that dynamic in, in a second. But, you know, I, I also kind of felt like a great quarterback can make great wide receiver play too. Like the, it, it, it's, it's a given, it's a give and take. And I felt like, you know, it just felt to me like Drew Aller getting the ball around to whatever it was, nine different guys, his arm and his, and, and I'm not an expert in quarterback fundamentals and technique, but you know, his footwork and, and where he was, you know, the rhythm of, of everything just seemed to be all, all there. So it helps whenever your quarterback is playing like that to solve some of these wide receiver depth issues that, that Penn State had. And with that in mind, I mean, I think I, I want to hear your thoughts on, on week one, as far as that goes, but you know, Malik McLean kind of blew me away, like four for 58 and that touchdown, he was wide open. He got a good block from Liam Clifford, but like the shimmy and shake on a cornerback when you're six four, two fifteen, or whatever he is, and getting to the edge and getting like like that, he was an impressive looking. What he moved well, like he was so much better than I thought. And I never really have, I didn't really have a baseline expectation for him, but I was like kind of blown away by the way that he looked in addition to the production. Yeah, absolutely, Dustin. I mean, you mentioned that. 25-yard touchdown that really kind of sealed the game uh, for Penn State. And you mentioned, yeah, you said you're not a quarterback expert. I'm not either. Uh, but a quarterback expert on Twitter, uh, Brad Mendler, who is Drew Aller's quarterbacks coach, uh, personal quarterbacks coach from Ohio, also coaches uh, Ethan Grunkmeyer, uh, Penn State commit, tweeted out a clip of that touchdown and actually pointed out that Drew understanding his protection shifted his shifted his body shifted his feet to go with his protection to buy him a little bit more space and a little bit more time and freedom to make that throw to Malik McLean and so I thought that was an interesting note um I retweeted it so if you want to if listeners want to go take a look at it um so it was a good play by Drew and then a really you know just a it was a good route I mean he was open Malik but then the, the after the catch bit is what really impressed me like you mentioned you know, the shimmy shake, the, the get to the pylon, you know, speed for a guy that size uh, is a really encouraging sign. And all this week, you know, whether it was his Tuesday press conference or uh, after his uh, Wednesday, after Wednesday's practice, the availability that James Franklin had, uh, has talked about Malik McLean on both occasions. And he just seems like a guy who's burgeoning in that wide receiver room that's really coming on. And you already have Keandre Lambert-Smith and, and Trey Wallace that you feel really good about if you're Marcus Hagan's wide receivers coach and James Franklin and all offseason has been like, okay, who's going to step up out of the, that next group? You've got, you know, Liam Clifford, who was the starting slot receiver turns out uh, on Saturday night, Dante Cephas, the Kent state transfer still apparently seemingly getting acclimated into this offense. He only played nine offensive snaps. We'll see if that uh, there's an uptick there against Delaware. If he gets more opportunities against the FCS uh, opponent, but Malik McLean, uh, who was a mid-year enrollee, and that can't get overlooked either, uh, has had more time with Drew Aller, has had more time with Mike Yersich and Marcus Higgins in this offense, and I think it's really showing uh, It's showing up and paying dividends. And Franklin kind of characterized that third wide receiver. You know, it, it's a week-to-week competition, and I think that's exactly the way that they want it. And you could see some ebb and flow. You, know, you could see Caden Saunders make a move. You could still see Amari Evans make a move. And uh, I think Penn State welcomes that because it means that the competition is where they want it to be. You know, Liam Clifford has to protect that role. Malik McLean has to p- protect that role. And so um, this was definitely a, a good start. And I think the two of the – my thought was, oh, Amari Evans is the third wide receiver, right? 
And then my my other thought was early in camp was like, man, maybe it's Caden Saunders. And it's like, well, okay, maybe it's none of the above after West Virginia, but it could be fluid. It could be subject to change. But those two guys look like they bring a little something. And last year, you know, in in some of those mop-up situations for Drew Aller, there did seem to be a connection with Liam Clifford pretty pretty early on. Yeah, there did. And um, and you'd mentioned yeah, Mari Evans being the third guy or whoever being that third guy. When Dante Cephas committed and ended up signing and getting on campus, uh, the, the narrative or the talk around him was maybe he's going to be your number one wide receiver. And I was uh, and maybe that's still going to be the case at some point. I think he has two years of eligibility, so he might get to that point. But I might have overlooked uh, Keandre Lambert Smith a little bit. He really impressed me. And the fact that you back up that Rose Bowl performance with, with, with what you did against West Virginia, I think is great for him personally and the offense. Trey Wallace getting eight targets and seven catches. He had one drop, but for the most part, very reliable. And then at that point, it's like if Dante Cephas can step up and and live up to what he was at Kent State, where he had over 1,900 yards and 12 touchdowns in two seasons, was an all-MAC wide receiver. If he lives up to that, then you're cooking with gas. If Caden Saunders lives up you know, to the recruiting profile that he had, you know, being one of the highest-ranked players in the 2022 class, if he lives up to that, you're cooking with gas. Like there's a lot of talent in this wide receiver room. It's just a matter of some of them putting it together. We've already seen Malik McLean do that in a small sample size against West Virginia. Uh, and we've got 11 more regular season games. You've got a bowl game. You've got maybe, maybe a Big Ten title game, a playoff appearance, something like, you know, you've got a lot of football left ahead of you. Um, a lot of time, a lot of room for these wide receivers still to grow. And it feels different whenever you come out of week one thinking, okay, Keandre Lambert-Smith, maybe he is a number one. And I think it, it would seem that he's been challenged to own that. And it seems like he's got the personality to own that too. And that, I think sometimes when you've played a bunch and you're asked to take a kind of a big step up from the third option to the first one, that's an important thing. Like he, I think he's got the confidence and the swagger and he's, he's got the belief that he's he is that guy. And it didn't take long to kind of show that. And then the other thing I would say also is that if you've got those the the one, two, and three kind of set in stone, and you've got a quarterback who who can who can whip it around the way that that Aller did in, in week one, now you're looking at that depth where you were like, okay, who's emerging? Now you're looking at like, okay, well, if the four, five, six, and seven are on the field, I don't know that there's a huge, huge drop off, right? Like these guys, these guys are are, are pretty good players. And you know, you saw like Cephas, he had the drop, but he also had what a 20 yard catch. I think this was a really encouraging week for Marcus Higgins in that wide receiver room in general. One last thing, just Penn State Delaware um, noon. It's a it's a peacock game. Uh, the the first peacock game. If you didn't get it for week one because you had NBC, then you're looking at it for week two. But uh, no line in this one. Uh, I've got a forty nine seven. I know you had something similar to that, Johnny. Right? Yeah, fifty two seven. Fifty two seven. Yeah, we're. Uh, so I don't think we're expecting much of a contest. What do you want to see? You know, what, what, it, to, what would be the most encouraging stuff to happen on Saturday, uh, in the grand scheme of Penn state season? Yeah. I, I mentioned in our, in our staff predictions, we always do like, you know, players on the spot and my player on the spot was Dante Cephas for all the reasons that we've already talked about. Uh, if he gets more run and, and can have maybe four or five catches in that game, I think that'd be big for his confidence. Uh, one group that we didn't talk about on the offense so far is the tight ends. Uh, Theo Johnson without a catch uh, in the West Virginia game. I think Tyler Warren had a couple catches and they were just the uh, one or two catches and they were the, the little screen out. So 
you know, if you're Penn State, if you're Mike Yersich, uh, and you're Drew Aller, you throw to the guy who's open, you play to whatever you know game plan is going to help you win, and and it worked against the Mountaineers. But throughout the offseason and even going back to you know Big Ten media days in July, James Franklin was you know very much saying, hey, you know Theo Johnson, the, the t- a tight end might be your second or third option in the passing game, and we didn't see that against West Virginia, so maybe we'll see um, more of that against Delaware. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, I don't think you know, the DNs were happy with how they performed against West Virginia. I think a part of that, too, is you know you have to keep contained against a running quarterback like Garrett Green, whereas I think Delaware, you're going to be able to really tee off if you're Chop Robinson, Adisa Isaac, deny Dennis Sutton. We'll see if Amin Vanover plays uh, after being listed as out and not dressing against West Virginia. Uh, Zariah Fisher could get some more run there, but... Uh, if you're the DNs after what Deny Dennis Sutton called this week a sloppy game, uh, I think if you can go out there and you know rack up the quarterback pressures and get a handful of sacks, I think that'll be good for them going into uh, the, the team's first road game at Illinois next weekend. West Virginia was kind of a horrible matchup to really showcase the best of Penn State's defense, especially with that, you know, with Garrett Green kind of running all over the yard and uh, I, I said in an, another podcast, like the thing that he did best, his number one best quality as a quarterback was running for his life. And, you know, he did it again and again and again. And so I think that that combination of things like West Virginia wanting to stay on schedule and the quarterback uh, kind of evading all, all the time and, and them focused on the pressure that them wanting to run the ball, like none of it really added up to a big Penn State defense game. But I think on the contrary, uh, Delaware does kind of set up like that especially if you get a lead, especially if you get them in, you know, third and long type situations. Uh, I think one of the things, tight end production, sure. James Franklin's pretty defensive about the fact that they've got real tight ends and they made an impact even if they didn't in the receiving game. I get that. Uh, but I think disruption on defense and some tight end action uh, would be would be good things coming out of week two. Again, assuming the outcome is, is kind of uh, set, but we'll see. Uh, noon Eastern time, Beaver Stadium, uh, Penn State, Delaware. Johnny McGonagall and I will be back Uh, next week to talk about that and look ahead to to week three. Uh, So between now and then, make sure you download the Blue White Breakdown anywhere you can get podcasts and check everything else out we do at penlive.com slash Football. We'll see you next time. This has been the Blue White Breakdown brought to you by Live.